back for another episode of the Placement Level Podcast. Uh, I'm Rafael. Chris is on mic also. And we're back for another episode. Today we got a fun one in store for you guys. Obviously, we know that baseball is coming up and folks are excited. Teams are reporting. Pitchers and catchers have started. And those who have signed up for WBC and for the World Baseball Classic are reporting to their teams. And that's going to be exciting because that's starting in about two and a half weeks. We will see a little over, close to three weeks, really. We'll see the World Baseball Classic. But on a more general note, today we were informed of an, the passing of Tim McCarver, who... Sadly, passed away at the age of 81 years old. He was a two-time All-Star, two-time World Series winner. McCarver had a 28.3 war. Just give us a lot of stats. 271, 337, and 388 with a 725 OPS. And again, one of the more notable catchers in the game. And he really did make an impact with the Phillies and that's kind of where he spent the he spent I mean mostly where his prime years were with the Cardinals back in the early 60s and late 50s but he did have spend the rest of a good amount of years in Philly he spent some years in Boston and again we regret to reform you the passing of Tim McCarver who also spent some time as a TV analyst so, again, very sad. And now that we've discussed a guy who obviously didn't make the Hall of Fame, but on a more general general note when talking about older guys, uh, today we got a fun one, Chris. Today we're going to discuss some Hall of Fame talk because we know that a couple weeks ago, Scott Willen was inducted to the Hall of Fame, so we're going to break down this year's ballot and see who could have deserved some more votes and who can potentially get 75-plus percent in the next couple of years. Chris? Yeah, so, yeah, definitely sad news about McCarver. Um, you know, for me, I most notably knew him as the playoff broadcaster on Fox. But, um, yeah, in regards to the... Hall of Fame, uh, we have only just Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff who made it in. Scott Rowland obviously was elected in um, via the baseball writers, and then uh, Mr. McGriff was a unanimous selection by the 16-member Contemporary Baseball Era Players Committee. Um, so those are the only two that will be a part of Hall of Fame weekend, which is set for July 23rd, this upcoming um, this upcoming July, that is. And um, really, the list of people who are on the ballot this season were Scott Rowland, obviously you got in, Todd Helton, Billy Wagner, Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield, Carlos Beltran, Jeff Kent, Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez, and Omar Vizquel. And one interesting note about Todd Helton is he is the only player who had who has remaining eligibility 
to come that close to 75% and not make it in. He finished up with 72.2% or just 11 votes short of making it into the Hall of Fame, where Scott Rowland made it in at 76.3%. And really, it was just five votes. He made it in by five votes. So even though he got in, he was you know not too far away from being on the outside looking in as well. So um, just some interesting notes there in the voting. And then another key thing, um, that's pretty cool, I should say, is that everybody who was on this ballot this, this uh, season, their vote totals jumped from last season to this season, which is a great sign. Um, obviously, Roland made it in, so he, you know, hit that threshold. But Helton is close. I expect with him being that close, I expect next year that he will make it in. But, you know, in regards to Billy Wagner, Andrew Jones, um, those are probably, I'd say, the next two guys on the list who realistically could see a shot at making it in. Wagner finished at 68.1% of the votes and Jones at 58.1%. So obviously for Jones, he's going to make a really big jump to make it in. Um, Wagner, not as big of a jump, but you know I do expect at least Helton to be in next year. Wagner, I would feel confident in being in as well. But the rest of the guys, I just don't know if they're gonna they're gonna make it in um, next season. And I think uh, Omar Vizquel, who was down at nineteen point five percent, I think we really need to be talking about him falling off the ballot altogether. Um, you know, obviously players who are on the ballot who don't get. Um, at least 5% of the vote drop off from future ballots. So he is a legit candidate um, to be considered being about falling off of the, uh, the ballot next season. And then obviously, or I should say transitioning over to some other players who did fall off the ballot this season are Bronson Arroyo, R.A. Dickey, John Lackey, Mike Napoli, Houston Street, Matt Kane, Jacoby Ellsbury, Andre Ethier, J.J. Hardy, Gianni Peralta, Jared Weaver, and Jason Worth. Um, Rafal, I don't know about you, but none of those guys, when I read that name, jump off the page and say, oh, man, that dude definitely should be in the Hall of Fame. Like All those guys, yeah, they had some great years here and there, but nothing long-lasting or sustainable or memorable or anything like that. They were good players for the era, but you know, not Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah, Chris, and I think there's something that, something really puzzles me when I see, obviously, congrats to Roland for getting it, for making the Hall of Fame and and McGriff, but something that kind of puzzles me is the fact that Todd Helton, if you match up Roland and Helton statistically, Helton was the better player statistically. Uh, aside from War, which is obviously a factors in to the decision of whether to and Ducks from the Hall of Fame is obviously a very important factor. I'm not deny I'm not denying that. But one thing that does stand out to me is that obviously Roland had the seventy point one war and Helton had a sixty one point eight. But it kind of just I'm kind of confused here because just pulling up a stats, Helton had a three sixteen, four fourteen, and five thirty nine slash line, while Roland had a 281, 364, and 490 slash line. And Helton also had the higher OPS, 953. And he had more home runs, 369 compared to Roland, 316. So my big question is, why did Roland get inducted over Helton? Because Roland had 17 years and Helton had 17 years. So I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. I 
Roland, the only thing I would say that Roland has over Helton is the fact that he won Rookie of the Year. None of them won MVPs. And it's, if you, I, I guess if you compare them statistically, I just see that Helton is the better player statistically. And from, sometimes I, I just question whether the Hall of Fame advisors and those who make the final decision, I just question whether they're making the right decision because sometimes they just make abysmal decisions because the guy like Todd Helton, who I just said, you, you take a look at him statistically, he was better than Scott Rowland. And obviously, he was, this is only his fifth year on, on the ballot, and he does have five more years on the ballot. And considering that he was 72%, I definitely think that he'll reach that 75% benchmark next year. But I'm just very confused as to I why think, Roland got inducted. I think the biggest knock on that he plays at Coors Field. Um, you know, he just, we all know that Coors Field and that thin air helps the ball jump off the bat. It flies out of the park at a much, you know, higher rate than some of the other ballparks in Major League Baseball. And that just gets held against all Colorado players. And I feel that while there is some merit to it, I mean, yes. Does the odds of hitting a home run at Coors Field increase compared to say, you know, um, T-Mobile Park or, um, you know, the Giants Stadium or or Petco Park or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, it does. But at the same time, you still have to take a stick and hit a ball that's being thrown at you 90 plus miles an hour, which is no easy feat. And Helton did it at an an incredible rate granted hitting for 300 isn't nowadays isn't what it used to be i mean back when he was playing a lot of guys hit for 300 average but you know if he hit for 300 this year we'd be talking about how he's one of the best baseball players in the game one of the best hitters but um yeah i think unfortunately for helton his biggest knock is the fact that he played at coors for his entire career and that unfortunately negatively impacts him and i don't feel it's right but it is what the writers view it, and that's unfortunately the Yeah, so I think the biggest thing with with Helton is the fact that the world that we live in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I obviously he did it. He does have that advantage. But again, if you look at his OPS plus, Helton still still had the higher OPS plus, which incorporates the stadium, um, obviously plus or minus. It incorporates the environmental factor and the stadium factor. So. Even though, yes, he did hit in Coors Field and obviously has that, that higher altitude and, and it makes it easier to hit home runs. But at the same time, the, the numbers are still there. And the OPS Plus, which is one of the most reliable stats out there, it's we see he has the higher mark. So, again, yeah, I, I do hear the knock that he did play in Coors Field. But I just feel that Helton should have made it over rolling this year. But uh, I, I honestly have no doubt that next year he'll be held out from making the Hall of Fame. But honestly, we'll see. Uh, I think 
it'll be fun. Obviously, you said next year, looking at the potential Hall of Fame for next year, we still, we'll still have Helton, Billy Wagner, Andrew Jones, Sheffield, Beltron, A-Rod, which, by the way, Alex Rodriguez, Chris, I, I, I think we should really – we've got a lot to talk about A-Rod because we know – he did All steroids. Of the things that he did in his career and what he accomplished and everything that he did. But uh, you know what? Let's do this right now. Let's discuss. Chris, give me a yes or no answer up, up front. Alex Rodriguez in the Hall of Fame or no? Is his stats worthy of it? Yes. Will he, will he make it in? Probably not. Um, he's linked to steroids, and he's linked to that steroid era. And so far, nobody's been linked to – Steroid has made it in. Granted, there's Big Poppy, but he wasn't, I guess, quite as connected to being on steroids as some of the other players are. Um, I think some of it made it be the fact that he's in Boston and everyone loves him because his nickname is Big Poppy. Okay, whatever. That's a topic for another day. Um, but I think for A-Rod, I think it's the fact that he's still heavily connected to steroids and using them, and that's going to keep him out, unfortunately. Um, I think steroids in the hall of fame is a topic that is you know it's definitely a topic of conversation but i think it's one that's kind of coming to an end because more of the players from that era are not eligible for the ballot anymore so there's not much to be talked about but it is a shame that some of the players from that time frame aren't in the hall of fame now i can understand why because there is a big question of you know if they weren't juicing would they've still made it in like would their careers have been as good or not you know um i I think for some of the players i think that's a very legit argument and i think for other ones like a barry bonds or a a mark mcguire uh, or an alex rodriguez i don't think it should factor in at all those guys were uber talented and you know yes it helped them but even if they didn't take it they still would have been the hall of fame because they were just that good they were that that much better um it's just unfortunate that they you know took it and they got caught um you know i still protest to this day in mark mcguire's case i don't understand exactly why i mean he took a substance that was legal at the time when he was taking it so why why is he kept out but again that's a show for another day yeah and uh, of course i'm not gonna have simply sympathy for a guy like a rod who as you said is well connected to using PEDs, but at the same time, like, come on, dude. You have you had so much potential. You achieved so much. You built yourself up so well, and you destroyed your entire Hall of Fame case. He was the first pick in the 1993 draft on the Mariners, a three-time MVP, 14-time All-Star, one-time World Series winner, 10-time Silver Slunger. Come on, A-Rod. Like, again, it's like what you were talking about, uh, about Mark McGuire, who, again, destroyed his Hall of Fame case, another guy who was one of the best hitters in his era. And obviously that was in the hitter-friendly era, but at the same time, he stood at the top, and he was one of the marquee hitters at that t- at, at, in that era. But again, a guy like Alex Rodriguez, who accumulated such a well-respected profile and he was so well respected in the game and then it's leaked that he took pds before when he was moved to texas so it it kind of really downs me because you know i'm a you know that i'm a a huge yanks fan and you know he spent 
over 10 years with the Yankees, and it really, it, it, it really bothers me that a guy like this who achieved so much in his career had to stick that needle in his body and infuse himself with drugs that honestly aren't necessary because he, he was already on an oppressive traje- trajectory and he was already doing enough to make the Hall of Fame. And he, I think, again, like comparing to Mark McGuire, these two guys, without using PEDs, they for sure would have made the Hall of Fame. And I just don't think that his stats, the stats are obviously overwhelming and there's enough there. But I just think that if you consider the use of PEDs, there's just there's there's no way, there's no loophole and there's no way to avoid the repercussions of that. So there you go, A Rod. I guess we both are just throw that out the window and A Rod's out. So <laughs> I, will, I will say I will say this. I think it will be interesting here in in the future because we just did get done with like a juiced ball era. Um, you know, we've seen the decline in, in home runs from the last couple of years and everything. And it's kind of been reported that the balls in previous seasons were a little bit more lively than they were this past season. So it'll be interesting to see how the writers feel about that. I'm sure they'll say, well, everyone had the opportunity to use those. And, you know, obviously, you know, they kind of didn't have a chance because of, of the, you know, it's what the pitchers were throwing and everything like that. And I can certainly understand it, but I think it's a bit, hypocritical to say that when let's be honest probably every every baseball player in the steroid era if not everyone like over 90 percent of them were were on some form of performance enhancing drug to help them as well so if you're gonna allow players from the juice ball era to be in the hall of fame then i think you need to go back and let the steroid era players in as well because it's it's absolutely hypocritical to say well you know it's okay in this situation because of whatever reason, but it's not okay in this other situation. And then on the flip side with pitchers, what are they going to do with all now that we've had a crackdown on the sticky stuff in there? I mean, we saw some players out there, you know, who had just absolutely disgusting breaking pitches. I mean, you look at Walker Bueller, Garrett Cole is one that comes to mind. You know, those two guys I feel kind of are, should be highlighted with the band on the sticky stuff like their stuff was is nasty anyways but it was so much more devastating when they're allowed to use like spider tack and everything like that now we've seen in this past season when they don't have it they're good they're you know maybe just not quite as good like they're if you're doing a rating on a video game they're they're a 98 now as opposed to back then they they were 99 so you know that'll be another thing that will have to come into play is like okay do we do we say these pitchers can't be eligible because they're allowed to use a foreign substance that helped them have a leg up on the hitters. But, you know, you know, so it'll be interesting in that aspect, how, how the writers feel. And also I just, I keep noticing this and I actually heard, heard this from one of the podcasts I listened to a couple days ago, but I just feel as though that the writers committee and those who vote for the hall of fame every year, I I'd say twenty years ago, the committee was looking for ways to get guys into Hall of Fame, and now it's like they were the exact opposite. Now the writers are looking for loopholes and ways not to get the guy in. They're so I, I'm just I'm not really understanding. Like I feel like they're very inconsistent 
like they'll give one guy, they'll say, hey, this guy did this, this X and Y, but this guy did A and B. So that guy who did X and Y, who had the lower war, like I again, like I was comparing like a couple minutes ago, I was comparing Helton to Roland to Roland, and again, that's another example of two guys who Roland was the one who's in the Hall of Fame, and it, I just don't think that that should be the case. So I, I kind of just feel that the writers' committee is inconsistent, and I just think we should be really evaluating how players are determined whether they get into Hall of Fame or not. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are other examples if we really spent some more time thinking on other players who should be in versus players who shouldn't be in and everything like that based on whatever, you know, data or analytics or metrics that we want to use and everything like that. I mean, the fact of the matter is it's it's all a judgment and kind of, you know, to, to a smaller degree, a popularity contest. Um, you know, if you are one of the more recognizable players or your faces were face was when you're playing, like you got a better shot at making it in. If you're somebody like a David Ortiz who got the nickname of big poppy and had always like had this, you know, this great smile and everything like everybody knew who you were, Um, you know, so of course you're going to make it in, but somebody like Todd Helen who played in Colorado, who they've what been to one world series. And that was kind of a magical run by them. I mean, you, if you followed baseball, you knew who he was. But, you know, to the person who didn't follow baseball, I guarantee you could ask them, like, hey, which one of these guys played baseball, David Ortiz or Todd Helton? And everyone would say, oh, David Ortiz, because they didn't recognize that name. Todd Helton, they'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, didn't realize that dude. Now, wow, he was actually really, really good. Um, and I think that's what plays into it as well, too. Just um, So, yeah. Uh, I do think it's interesting. I don't know if you've had a chance to look or see or anything like that, but the upcoming class for 2024, um, there are there are some names in there, and it, it, I'm curious is your your thoughts on the uh, upcoming class, the first timers. Uh, we've got Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, Chase Utley, David Wright, Bartolo Colon, Matt Holiday, Adrian Gonzalez, Jose Batista, Jose Reyes. Victor Martinez, James Shield, Brandon Phillips, not related to me, unfortunately, Denard Spann, Chase Headley, Giovanni Gallardo, Doug Fister, who I'm pretty sure was one of the most popular baseball players in the fantasy community just from a fantasy team name, Brad Ziegler, Ryan Madsen, Phil Hughes, Brandon Morrow, Chris Tillman, a couple of former Seattle Mariner pitchers who, you know, didn't work out for them, and I would say didn't work out in their overall MLB career in regards to their expectations, Jim Johnson, and then finally Santiago Casilla. So, Rafal, of those names, who do you think's making it in? So, actually, before we got to that, I just wanted to speculate on one more player from this year's ballot, and obviously he'll be on next year's ballot. But another guy who really destroyed his entire Hall of Fame case, Manny Ramirez, one of the the most heavy power hitters in the game in the early 2000s. He hit almost 600 home runs, 555 mark. And another guy, he got that 50-game suspension for using a woman's fertility drug, which has some form of enhancement. And another guy who really destroyed his entire Hall of Fame case and 
listen, 312, 411, 585 with a 154 OPS plus and close to 1,000 OPS with a 996 mark. Another guy who really achieved so much in his career and toppled everything down with that use of PEDs. And, and surprisingly enough, he actually never won an MVP even before he used drugs. And he made the All-Star game for 10 years straight. And finished tenth, finished under ten in every single one of those years, aside from aside from two. So again, he accomplished so much in his career, but that one use of PEDs really just annihilates everything and destroys his entire career. So back to your question, Chris: the twenty twenty four Hall of Fame ballot guys you were discussing, and a few guys who I think will have a good a shot at making the Hall of Fame. One in particular for me is probably going to be Gary Sheffield. I, I, I think that he's really making his way up there. And last year had 55% of the votes. He 60.5 war, almost 3,000 hits, 26, 89, 509 home runs. A 292 average, 393 OBP, 514 slugging, 907 OPS. Obviously, I don't think he'll make it over guys like Todd Helton or Billy Wagner or maybe Andrew Jones if those guys ever get inducted. But I think Gary Sheffield definitely has a case to make it up there. This would be one of his last years to for it to be eligible to get inducted. But I think that Gary Sheffield is my guy here. And also... Another guy, obviously, Andrew Jones is another one of my guys who I really enjoyed. Uh, although his numbers were a, a drop lower than Hall of Fame caliber, I do think that he is worthy and he really could make a case to make Hall of Fame because Gary, he even had a higher war than Gary Sheffield, 62.7. And at the end of the day, I think it's just a matter of for the writers, I think it's just a matter of what their preference is. So what what their outlook is on certain players and how they view what their and really what their perspective is on what determines whether a player is worthy of being inducted into Hall of Fame. I think that's that's kind of the key point. I feel like different writers have different perspectives and they all kind of vary because one writer will look at a war, one writer will look at OPS Plus, and obviously they all incorporate and factor in all of the different numbers. By the end of the day, there's one that will really push them over the top, and there's one that will, for them, determine whether a player should get in or not. So those are my two guys, Gareth Sheffield and Andrew Jones. Out of this group, Chris, back to you, what you got from this Hall of Fame ballot? So I think the guys from this 2023 class who didn't make it on that will make it next year. I think Todd Helen obviously is one. I think Billy Wagner is the other one. And I think that's it. I don't think Andrew Andrew Jones or Sheffield make it in this, this next year. Um, you know, I think Andrew Jones is a guy who his defense is probably the most memorable thing about him. At least when that's when you're talking about him and like the first things that come to mind, but the dude was actually a really good hitter. It's unfortunate though, that he kind of 
peaked and then just fell off that peak. Um, and I think that's what kind of may hurt him a little bit is the fact that he was so good in the outfield. So one of the best center fielders of all time to play the game was a really good offensive player. I mean, it took some time to get into his, into his prime and everything. But once he was there, he was a really, you know, lethal player for the Braves and everything. But I think one of the things that kind of, you know, hurts his case is just longevity. He didn't play near maybe as long. I shouldn't say he didn't, he didn't play at the same high level for as long as some other players do. I mean, you look at somebody like Torrey Hunter probably wasn't as good as an Andrew, Andrew Jones, but Torrey Hunter just played at that consistent level for a very long time where it allowed him to be nominated for it. Um, He's another guy that, you know, this past season finished at 6.9% of the votes. So he's quite possibly could fall off next year, which I think kind of is unfortunate. You know, I think he is a guy that should be in there just because he was kind of more that consistent throughout the course of his career. And I think something like that kind of deserves to be rewarded. But at the same time, like I can understand the argument, like his, his stats just don't line up compared to some of the other players out there. Um, now moving ahead to the first timers that are going to be on the ballot. I think there are a legit three, uh, no doubters that will make it in this next season. Um, and then there's another two that I think could make it in. There isn't much. On their first time as well. Um, but I think Andre, Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, and Matt Holiday are locks to make it in for their on their first time. I'm going to have to agree on two of those with you. I, I was, for a second, looking at David Wright, but I just don't think he played enough. If you look at other guys who were considering as potential candidates, Wright only had... 5,000 at-bats, I mean, mm-hmm. two away from 6,000, but th- that's not enough. We didn't see enough to really consider him as a contender. And I, obviously, the numbers are there. He hit 242 home runs, had that 867 OPS, but th- there's just not enough there. I'm going to have to agree yeah. with you. Adrian Beltre, I definitely think, will be inducted. He spent his entire career really not really his entire career because he did he spent the last eight seven with texas sprinkled in some mariners your seattle and the dodgers towards the beginning of his career but really peaked in in his last eight years with the rangers and that's kind of when he's he flourished the most and I, I kind of yeah. think that there's enough there to induct him to Hall of Fame. He almost 477 home runs, 1707 RBIs, and Joe Mara as well, I think, will have a chance. And I think he's definitely, obviously, one of the best catchers that we've seen in the past decade. That 306 average, he, he was kind of known for his offense because he was one of the best offensive catchers in the game when he played. And Matt Holiday as well. I, I mean, do think that I, I mean, he's a bit over my head because I didn't really. He was kind of in his prime. He kind of sprinkled it around, honestly. But overall, Holiday was just one of those guys who just got on base and hit homers and just a high average hitter. And again, Matt Holiday, he did actually play for the Yankees in 2017 so i did get to know him for a little bit that was fun 
but obviously he didn't really do much besides hitting 19 home runs, but the average was low. But overall, again, I'm going to have to agree with you. Those three guys are sure inductions, and I do think that if they don't get inducted, then I'm going to have to um, question again the current writers' committee. But one more guy who I, I do think may will have a chance to maybe make the Hall of Fame, I, I, I'm i not going to say Jose Bautista because I just don't think he had enough years with a high average. I, I One guy in particular, I'm going to have to pick Jose Reyes or Victor Martinez. Those are the kind of the two guys who I'm not so certain about. Really? I'm not so certain about. I think Jose Reyes was kind of more of a defender. But they both had high numbers. They weren't much, not so much power. Jose Reyes is more of a speedster guy, but he did have high average, high slugging, and a mid OPS. But I, I honestly don't think that they'll ever make it. But uh, out of the rest of the guys, there isn't really much, unless you're going to say Adrian Gonzalez. But I just think, aside from those three that I just mentioned, that's kind of it from me. And I just think that those three guys will be the sole, and be the sole three who will make it in the next couple of years. Yeah, I will have to admit that I did not realize that Joey Bats slugged 344 home runs in his career. Um, if you had told me he was had over 300 home runs, I would have said, no, I don't think so. Because <laughs> me, I mean, he was a guy that was kind of a utility player for a bunch of his career and then really, I don't even want to say like got hot, but like found his stride in Toronto and was just an offensive force for like a handful of years until Rogue Omdor, uh punched him in the face and effectively ended both of their I mean, major league careers. <laughs> we all know him uh, for that big home run in the wild card. I think that's that's what he's most notable for. But yeah, I definitely was a shocker when I saw that number. Yeah, um, but I will say the other. I think I, I'm very surprised that you picked Jose Reyes and Victor Martinez as two guys that could possibly make it in. I I don't see either one of them making it in. Um, they've got a good average career average. Uh, Reyes obviously was more speed than power. Martinez was a catcher, you know, more of an offensive catcher. I just don't think he had enough like peak offensive playing catcher basically like I don't think he had enough of a, a good long like a long long peak in his career I think he was really good for a few seasons and then that was you know basically basically it. there's not a lot of like necessarily like milestones that you can say that he you know got a hold of yes he's a member of the 2000 hit club but that's kind of about it he didn't hit 300 home runs um you know, his batting average is 295, which is good, especially back from when he played. But I think two guys that maybe uh, are, are going to get in quite possibly eventually, I think they would maybe fall a little bit closer. I think David Wright will fall a little bit closer in the Scott Rowland type of Hall of Fame voting. Like, it will take him some years. And a lot of people saying, like, how is this dude not in before he gets in eventually? Maybe. He just, like you talked about, like, he just wasn't, that long you know of, of a player or anything like that played 14 years hit 296 242 home runs didn't hit for 2000 hits or anything like that so like you know you when you look at him and kind of comparing him to other hall of famers 
I feel he just falls a little short, you know, but when you watched him play, he was like, yeah, this dude's on a trajectory to make it. Unfortunately, back injuries is what really, you know, derailed, I think, a Hall of Fame career. Unfortunately, the other guy is Chase Utley. Um, You know, he's another guy didn't get 2000 hits, didn't get 300, you know, home runs, hit 275 for his career, was obviously a member of that Phillies World Series team, but again when you're looking at his his numbers and his stats like i think he falls in that same category as david right just like yeah he's he was really good but i don't think he's necessarily hall of fame worthy i mean i think one thing you can always do when you're talking about hall of fame is like just throw a player's name out there and go by your instant reaction saying you know chase Utley hall of fame yes or no and i think for chase Utley, it's no you know, and same with David Wright, it's, it's a no. But when you say Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, Matt Holiday, it's an automatic yes, you know. And I think that's kind of a determining factor. Like you can look at players' numbers and kind of make a case for them and maybe change your line of thinking. But I think your very first initial reaction is ones that, you know, are kind of, you know, an ultimate determining factor on it. I mean, another guy we haven't talked about is – Bartolo Cologne or lovely nicknamed Big Fat Bartolo Cologne. <laughs> um, this this dude played 21 seasons, same as Beltre, um, and seemed like Cologne, even though like he was way past his prime in terms of like his velocity and ability and stuff like that, he still managed to catch on in the last few years and be a really effective pitcher. Um, you know, 247 wins. Over three thousand innings pitched. Um, his his ERA was a four is Not a four twelve so for a career. His WHIP is one point three one. Twenty five hundred strikeouts. I, I don't see. He's another guy. I don't see him getting in the first year for sure. Uh, maybe later on down the road. But you know what? We talked a lot about the offensive guys. So Rafal, who, who? What are you? What are your thoughts on Bartolo Colon? So. Obviously, we know what his nickname is, um, but I, again, that ERA, I, I just it kind of shies me away. Four point twelve, even the ERA plus only one oh six, and that WHIP, one point three one two. I just he did have that one Cy Young year where he had that three point four eight ERA and won twenty one games, but I just don't think he did enough. I uh, he wasn't as effective as he had hoped to be for such a career. Obviously, the longevity was there, but I just don't think he was effective enough in those 21 years, and I just don't think he did enough. There was nothing that kind of stands out except for, aside from that Cy Young. But I kind of wanted to revert back, and when I was talking about Jose Reyes and Victor Martinez, Chris, you are mentioning guys who were offensive-minded, that we're discussing for as potential candidates. I want to talk, just go back on Jose Reyes because again, I one thing in particular that I feel like writers and writers kind of shy away from because it's not, I guess they don't see it as a valuable asset. I just think that stolen bases needs to be speculated on more because Jose Reyes had 517 soul bases in his career. He's obviously more of a speedster and he, he did hit for high average. Obviously you were saying, and I'm going to have to corroborate that, that he didn't have, there's nothing kind of really stood out. He didn't get any, didn't get much hardware 
made a couple all-star games, but other than that, kind of just stole bases. And he did hit for high average, wasn't much of a power hitter, but I, I kind of, I've always liked, I've always had a knack for speedsters. And a guy like Jose Reyes, who amounted that many stolen bases in his career and managed to hit for high average, I think there's something, there's something, there's something unique to that. Because you don't see many guys who, who are solely speedsters. And obviously nowadays, we were seeing a higher percentage of stolen bases, but at the same time, a guy like Jose Reyes, I just think that should get more attention. But like you said, obviously, I still don't think there's enough there, but I just think that he should get a little more attention than what he gets. And again, Victor Martinez, like you said, he was also more of an offensive-minded catcher, but I just, again, I'm going to have to agree with you. There wasn't much there. I did mention how I, I did like him, but again, he, he had that one three to four solid years. He had the one year where he placed second in MVP voting, where he had that 409 OPB, the 974 OPS. And other than that, I, I just, those two players, I had I did like what they did in the career, but I just don't think there was enough there to really, to really consider them. So, you know what? Let's 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 shout out two more guys on next year's ballot. Let's talk about James Shields. Let's talk about Adrian Gonzalez. First up, James James Shields. James Shields spent the bulk of his career with the Rays. Spent some time at Kansas City, the Padres, and final three with the White Sox. Again, another one of those guys who we just didn't see enough from. Doesn't didn't have much hardware on display. He had that one year where he finished third in Cy Young voting, had a career four point oh one ERA, pitched twenty six hundred innings, had twenty two hundred strikeouts, and one point two seven two whip. I just don't think there's enough there. And finally, Adrian Gonzalez is Another guy who, you know, obviously he's towards the bottom of this list. And he'll be in his first year ballot. Yeah, that 287, 358, and 485 slash line. He, another one of those guys who kind of didn't have much hardware either. He he didn't make a good amount of all-star games. Landed in top 15, top 10 voting for a good amount of years. Won a couple of gold gloves. Hit 317 home runs. Was in the 20, 2000 hit club, 358 OPB, 45 slugging. I do think that he'll have a better chance of making it over James Shields, Jose Reyes, or Jose Bautista, any of those guys. But uh, I just think he's he's kind of in on that meddling list. Like he's in between. Doesn't not so, not so clear whether he'll make it or not. So Chris, wh- give me your perspective on those two guys. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Adrian Gonzalez between those two has the better shot at making it into the Hall of Fame. His career is just looking at it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I mean, he was really good in his time with San Diego, like his first couple of seasons. Then he kind of had a couple of years where he batted under 280 and then he went back to batting, you know, close to 300 if not more before he went to Boston. And then you know, that 20, that first year in Boston, he batted 338, hit 27 home runs, got two, led, led the majors with 213 hits, 
hit uh, 27 home runs and 117 RBIs as well. And then from there went to the Dodgers and had another couple good seasons in L.A. And then that was it, really. I mean, it was basically from 2006 to 2014. That was Adrian Gonzalez. Um, or I should say to 2015. That was by peak Adrian. And then you start to see where things kind of maybe start to fall off a little bit. I mean, he only hit 18 home runs in 2016. He still batted 285, drove in 90. And then, you know, again, he was 34th time. And then 2017, age 35 is when it just all came crashing down. I mean, he only played in 71 games. He had three home runs, batted 242. The following year, 2018, he only played in 54 games hit six home runs and bat 237 and that was that was it. So it's interesting because he you know he had a long time like if you look at the overall from 2004 to 2018 15 years you're like oh okay cool but when you really look at it it was minus it was really just you know a what 13 12 12 year career was where he was actually like really good and even then it was still I mean, he, he averaged at that point in time 29 home runs, a 292 batting average, 178 hits. So, like, it was good. It's just, you know, I think part of the problem for him is that he wasn't a very, like, well-known or kind of recognizable guy. He was kind of quiet, you know. He played in San Diego. They never really did anything. He played in Boston. They were expected to do some things. Didn't pan out. He played in the Dodgers, and it was – supposed to help them get back to the winning ways and didn't kind of come the way they were expecting or anything like that. But he was never a guy that made a lot of headlines or anything like that. Kind of like Todd Helton. You know, I, I could easily see Adrian Gonzalez Hall of Fame career going the same path as Todd Helton where, you know, he's in there for a very long time and we're saying, why is this guy not in there? Um, James Shields, on the other hand, you know, when you think about James Shields, you think about, okay, he came up with Tampa Bay. He was a part of their, you know, first kind of fluky uh, World Series run. I don't mean fluky that it was, like, bad or anything. Just, like, nobody really expected them to make that World Series when they did. But but they did, you know. They came out and they made it happen. And then he went to Kansas City and he was a part of the team that went to the World Series there. But, he, you know, he didn't win it with them either. But he's just he was a real he was a good pitcher but he wasn't ever an ace of a staff and he wasn't necessarily like he was probably like a high-end number two pitcher who had some really good years and then some like good years after that and I don't think he's a guy that will necessarily make it in because when it's all said and done a 417 ERA a 1.27 whip those you know the whip is nice the era okay not not shabby or anything like that but you know part of the 2000 strikeout club i just i just don't get a feeling that he's a you know he's a hall of fame pitcher i mean he won 145 games he also lost 139 games so he was you know you could say like a 50 50 shot of him winning the game or losing the game when he took the mound every time and i don't think that's necessarily what you think of when you have a Hall of Fame pitcher. So I kind of think that we both agreed about Shields, and I think overall we, you know, let's get a nice round of applause here because, you know, we did really well on timing today. 
close to 47 minutes. And you know what? I'm excited because I just think that Hall of Fame is a very controversial topic. And I think it's always fun to discuss who should get in, who should not. And I think there's a lot more to it other than what we discussed. But I think that we've covered a lot today. And, you know, I'm just excited for baseball season because we've had a good five, six-month break. And now we're back. And things are slowly heating up. And teams are and players who haven't settled their arbitration cases are clearing that up. And, Chris, I'm baseball starting up, so what can be more exciting? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, like you said at the top of the show, pitchers and catchers have reported, players for the World Baseball Classic have reported, so we are getting closer to spring training games, and that is always fun to see. It's a lot of fun to see, especially the strides from the younger players that are coming into the game, what they've done from the past year in the offseason and what, you know, they could potentially do this upcoming season as well. You know, the veterans, we kind of know what we're getting with them, but it's still great to watch them play and perform. And at this point, everybody has a shot at making the playoffs and has a legit feeling that they can win the World Series. That is except unless you are an Oakland A's fan or a Washington Nationals fan. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I think your teams are already eliminated. I, um, I do think out. you guys are on the right path to getting back into contention. But, um, yeah, I don't think you're going to – it's going to be a very, very long season for you guys. Yeah, we, we've got a lot in store for you guys this coming season. And I'm excited for what baseball has in store for us. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. And we will we'll see you guys in a couple of days.